We read God's word this evening in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, that great psalm expressing repentance. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thy God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thy my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Thus far, we read God's holy word. Our text is verses 10 through 12. 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Beloved, as I have mentioned a number of times, as I have preached through this psalm, Psalm 51 is very different from Psalm 32, although they concern the same history. Psalm 32 begins this way, blessed or happy, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit is no guile. And so, the tone of Psalm 32 is blessedness, but that's not at all the tone of Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, David is seeking blessedness, but he does not yet enjoy it or experience it because he has lost it. In the first nine verses, David has been asking God for various things. He has asked God for forgiveness. He has asked God for the blotting out of his transgressions. He has asked to be washed from his iniquity and to be cleansed from his sin. And now in verses 10 through 12, David asks for something else. He asks for restoration. He asks that God might return to him something that he has lost, something that God took away from him when he sinned. And because he lost that thing or those things through his sin, he knows that any restoration of those things is entirely a matter of grace. He has no right to those things, he does not deserve those things, but by God's grace working in his heart, he greatly desires those things, and so he cries out to God for those things. Restore to me, he says, restore to me those things which I so foolishly squandered by my sin. And that tells us something about sin. Sin is a robber. Sin takes from us and gives us nothing in return. Sin promises satisfaction. Sin promises pleasure. Sin promises delight. But sin never delivers. Instead, sin robs us. Sin takes away from us that which is most precious to us so that we are left destitute with nothing and with nowhere to turn except to that God who has taken those things from us in his wrath and who in his mercy 
restores them to us. And so, from God, we seek, as David did, we seek restoration. Notice then a prayer for restoration. A prayer for restoration. Notice first, because of a great loss, then expressing a great need, and third, appealing to God's great mercy. David has lost something. In fact, David has lost a number of things. But we must begin with an important truth, what David did not lose and what David could not lose because he was and is a child of God. We lay that foundation first. As a child of God, a number of things were true of him as they are also true of us. First, David was elect. Before the foundation of the world, God set his love upon David and chose him to everlasting salvation and everlasting life. Second, David was redeemed. Jesus Christ shed his precious blood, and in history would shed his precious blood on the cross to make full payment for all of David's sins and to deliver him body and soul from the power of sin and death. Third, David was regenerate. God had, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so worked in David's life to give him life, so that David, who had been dead in his sins, lived unto God. He was an Old Testament child of God. And fourth, he was a believer. David knew God from the heart as the God revealed to him in the Holy Scriptures of the Old Testament. David knew this God as his creator, as his sovereign king, as his shepherd, as his redeemer, and David trusted in this God, had confidence in this God, and hoped in this God. He was elect, he was redeemed, he was regenerate, he was a believer, but David had sinned. And David's sins, as we have already learned, were not those daily infirmities of the flesh with which every child of God must struggle in this life. David's sins were willful, deliberate transgressions and iniquities as he has confessed already in this psalm. David had lusted after Bathsheba, and then he had taken Bathsheba, and he had lain with her, even though he knew that Bathsheba was the wife of another, even Uriah the Hittite. 
And David, having committed that sin of adultery, had covered up his sin with a web of lies and deceit. And when that cover-up had failed, David had plotted to murder Uriah, Bathsheba's rightful husband. And then he had executed that plot by killing Uriah in a most treacherous manner, and finally, he had refused to confess his sins for up to a year until God sent Nathan the prophet to confront him. And then, and only then, did David say in 2 Samuel 12, 13, I have sinned against the Lord. In sinning against the Lord, beloved, and in that period of his life in which he had lived in impenitence, David lost something. David lost a number of things, very precious things. And in Psalm 51, he has become conscious of that loss. There are certain things which he could not lose. We've looked at those already. He could not lose his election. He could not become a reprobate. He could not lose his redemption. He could not cancel out the shedding of the blood of Jesus or make that blood ineffectual. He could not lose his regeneration. He could not lose that life that God had planted in his soul and then return to that earlier condition of spiritual deadness. He could not lose his faith, his knowledge of the true God, or utterly lose his confidence in God. But he could... And he did lose his sense of those things, his joy in those things, his confidence in those things, his assurance of those things. He could feel as if he were reprobate, cast off and rejected by God. He could feel a sense of God's wrath and hot displeasure. He could feel as if he were not redeemed, but rather horribly corrupted and under the power of sin, given over to the power of sin for a time. He could feel as if he were not regenerate. He could feel spiritually dead, spiritually lifeless. He could feel as if he had lost his faith so that he was filled with doubts and fears and struggled to trust in God and believe in God's promises. He could and did interrupt the exercise of faith. And that's why in Psalm 51, he is not yet ready to say what he confesses in Psalm 32. 
Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Those things were true, but he did not yet feel them or experience them or enjoy them. In a very real sense, beloved, he had by his sin lost the experience and enjoyment of them. And again, I direct you to the canons of Dort, because the canons of Dort are very helpful to us in distinguishing between what a child of God can lose and what he cannot lose when he walks in sin. And the canons make that distinction very beautifully and very clearly in that section which deals with the perseverance of the saints. The canons teach us that the truth of perseverance does not mean that a child of God cannot commit terrible sins. He can nor do the canons teach us that the perseverance of the saints means that a child of God who commits such terrible sins will be spared the consequences of those sins. He will not be spared the consequences of those sins, just as David was not spared the consequences of those sins. Canons 5.5. We ought to be familiar with Canons 5.5. You can look for that at the back of the Psalter on page 74. By such enormous sins, and those enormous sins are such as the enormous sins of David, adultery and murder, by such enormous sins, however, they very highly offend God, incur a deadly guilt, grieve the Holy Spirit, interrupt the exercise of faith, very grievously wound their consciences, and sometimes lose the sense of God's favor for a time. That was the experience of David here. Until, until on their returning into the right way of serious repentance, the light of God's fatherly countenance again shines upon them. That's David's testimony in Psalm 32 and 51. In Psalm 32, he looks back and he says, when I kept silence, when I was walking in sin and refused to confess, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. And this psalm is similar in Psalm 
51 verse 8, we read, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And in verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So, Canons 5.5 tells us what the child of God loses and experiences when he walks in darkness. And then Canons 5.6 goes on to tell us what the child of God cannot lose. But God, who is rich in mercy, according to his unchangeable purpose of election, does not wholly or completely withdraw the Holy Spirit from his own people, even in their melancholy falls, nor suffers them to proceed so far as to lose the grace of adoption and forfeit the state of justification or to commit sins unto death, nor does he permit them to be totally deserted and to plunge themselves into everlasting destruction. David did not lose his election or his adoption. God did not cast him off as if he were no longer a child of God. He did not lose his justification. God did not reverse that verdict of righteousness, although David incurred in his own conscience a deadly guilt. David did not commit the sin unto death. He was not totally deserted. He did not plunge himself into everlasting destruction. Why? Canons 5.7 tells us why. For in the first place, in these falls, he preserves in them the incorruptible seed of regeneration from perishing or being totally lost. And again, by his word and spirit, certainly and effectually renews them to repentance. That's what's happening here in Psalm 51. God is renewing him to repentance to a sincere and godly sorrow for their sins, that they may seek and obtain remission in the blood of the mediator, may again experience the favor of a reconciled God through faith adore his mercies, and henceforward more diligently work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Why did David not perish? because God preserved the seed of regeneration in him, because God renewed David to true repentance, so that David comes in this psalm to God, seeking mercy and pardon for his sins. In the text, David shows what he has lost by asking God to restore these things to him. And we can identify five things in the text that David has lost. First, David lost the purity or the cleanness of his 
heart. He asks in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Before David had begun to neglect his spiritual health, he had a clean heart. That heart, which was his spiritual center, was clean and pure. From that heart, David had loved God and his neighbor. Yes, of course, there was sin in that heart. It was not a perfect heart, but it was a clean heart. It was a pure heart. 1 Peter 1.22, 1 Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. But then David, to use the language of Canons 5.4, had been seduced by and complied with the lusts of the flesh. He had been neglecting to watch and pray. He was drawn away into great and heinous sins. He sinfully deviated from or turned away from the guidance of divine grace and fell into gross evil. And when he did that, his heart became impure and unclean, like the heart of a vile leper. He became corrupt and depraved in his heart. He became warped and perverted in his thinking and in his reasoning. He became impure in his affections delighting in evil and hating the good. He became rebellious in his will. Yes, he was still regenerate. There was an ember, as it were, of spiritual life faintly burning within him, but the purity of his heart was almost entirely extinguished. And that's frightening. That's sobering, to see how far a child of God like David could fall, so that he must cry out to God, create in me a clean heart. And our calling is not then to point the finger at David and to criticize him, but our calling is to be warned. If we do not watch and pray, if we play with sin, presumptuously playing with temptation, we could fall as far as David fell. And so we must beware of the deceitfulness of sin. Second, David lost the rightness of his spirit. 
Verse 10 again. And renew a right spirit within me. That word spirit in verse 10 is not the Holy Spirit. That's David's human spirit or soul, which is almost the same thing as the heart in verse 10. Clearly, there is a parallel idea here. A clean heart is parallel to a right spirit. And the spirit of someone is his disposition or his impulse. David's spirit, by virtue of regeneration, had been right, but he has lost his right spirit. David's disposition or his impulse had been toward good. Now he is so twisted and perverse that his impulse, his disposition is toward evil. In his spirit, there had been no guile, to use the words of Psalm 32, verse 2. Now his spirit is deceitful and lustful and unclean and malicious. And so he must cry out to God, renew a right spirit within me. Third, David lost the sense of God's favor. That's verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence. God's presence is his face or his countenance. And in the Bible, when God shines favorably upon his people, we speak of him shining upon them with his face or with his countenance. And when God does that, they know his favor and they taste his tender mercies. Remember the blessing that the priests were called to make upon the people of God in number six, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. But when a child of God walks in sin as David did, God turns his face away in anger, so that one does not experience the sense of God's favor. Here's Psalm 27, verse 9. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. And here's Psalm 34, 15 and 16. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. It's a horrible thing, beloved, to lose the sense of God's favor. Canons 5.13 describe that. 
If we abuse his fatherly kindness, we read there, God will turn away his gracious countenance from us to behold which is to the godly dearer than life, the withdrawing thereof is more bitter than death. What David experienced in his impenitence was more bitter than death. What he lost was dearer than life. It's described in Psalm 32 this way, broken bones, the drying up of the moisture of the soul, the heaviness of God's hand upon someone. That's what God's people know when God chastises them for their sin. They do not experience the favor of God in their lives. Cast me not away from thy presence, he says. Fourth, David lost the Holy Spirit. Again, verse 11, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, of course, every child of God has the Holy Spirit at regeneration, and in every child of God, the Holy Spirit is at work. He comforts, he assures, he strengthens, he sanctifies. The Holy Spirit is the author in us of faith and repentance. We cannot believe or repent without the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, in a sense, we cannot lose the Holy Spirit. In that, we cannot return to an unregenerate condition, and faith cannot be entirely extinguished within us, but there is also a sense in which we can lose the Holy Spirit, and that is what David confesses here. And again, the canons help us with this. Canons 5.4. Converts are not always so influenced and actuated by the Spirit of God as not in some particular instances sinfully to deviate from the guidance of divine grace. Canons 5.5, they grieve the Holy Spirit. Canons 5.6, God does not wholly or completely withdraw the Holy Spirit from his own people. And Canons 5.8, the sealing of the Holy Spirit cannot be frustrated or obliterated. But notice, God does not wholly or God does not completely withdraw his Holy Spirit from his own people, which means that he does at times partially or to a degree withdraw his Holy Spirit, especially the comforts of his Holy Spirit, when we walk in sin. When we, when we do that, we provoke God to withdraw His Holy Spirit from us. And so David begs God in verse 11, take 
not thy Holy Spirit from me. Possibly also, David has here in mind disqualification from office. He may have been thinking as he writes these words of King Saul, because remember, God did take the Holy Spirit away from King Saul. King Saul, of course, was not a child of God, was not an elect child of God, was a reprobate, unredeemed, unregenerate, unbelieving man. But Saul did have the Holy Spirit for a time to equip him to be the king. And God took away that spirit from Saul and gave that spirit to David and sent an evil spirit upon Saul. A child of God may be deposed from office if he is an office bearer in the church because of some gross public sin which he might commit. But a child of God can never be deposed from the office of believer. He can never be separated from Jesus Christ. And fifth and finally, David has lost the joy of God's salvation. Verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Here again we make a distinction. Salvation is one thing. Joy of salvation is another thing. David did not lose his salvation. He did not perish, but he lost the joy of that salvation. And when he walked in sin then, although he was in a state of salvation, he did not know that. He did not have the experience and the joy and the assurance of that. Instead, he had grievous torments of conscience. He lost that peace that he had. He lost that deep gladness of heart that he had, which comes from knowing the forgiveness of sins. Did not know the fellowship of God as he walked in sin. We must be warned, beloved. When we walk in sin, when we refuse to turn from that sin and persist in our impenitence, we run the risk of losing these things. We lose the cleanness or purity of our heart. We lose the rightness of our spirit. We lose the sense of God's favor. We lose the Holy Spirit and we lose the joy of God's salvation. Having lost these things, David turns to the Lord. And that's remarkable because that shows us that David realizes the loss of those things. 
God has laid the loss of those things upon his heart, upon his conscience. He's not, therefore, like Samson. Remember Samson? He lost various things too, but he did not at that time realize the loss of those things. Judges 16, 19, and 20, we read this, and his strength went from him. And he said, I will go out and shake myself, and he wist not, or he did not know, that the Lord was departed from him. David understands, as he writes Psalm 51, that he has lost these things. He has come to understand that by the work of the Spirit in him who is bringing him to repentance. And now his response is to seek those things from God again. Those are his petitions. He prays for creation. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Creation is a uniquely divine work. Only God can create. Creation is God's work of giving existence to something or God's work of calling something into being. We know the first verse of the Bible in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And now David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. We saw already that God had given to David at regeneration a clean heart. But David had so marred or spoiled that heart by his sin that David now must ask for a new one. I ruined the one you gave me, God. Give me a new one. Give me one which is cleansed and made pure by the blood and spirit of Jesus Christ. Create in me a clean heart so that I think good thoughts, so that I have the right reasoning, so that I will the right things and delight in the right things from my new clean heart. Then he prays for renewal and renew a right spirit within me. Renewal is the restoration or repair of something that has been broken. And again, David's spirit at regeneration was a right spirit, but now it has been corrupted and David, therefore, asks for his spirit to be renewed, repaired. Otherwise, he fears, I will fall back 
into the same pattern of sin again. I need, I need a right spirit. A right spirit is a firm spirit, an established spirit, a steadfast spirit, the opposite of a wavering spirit or a deceitful spirit, a spirit firmly established by grace, firmly settled on God's Word. Make me, says David to God, make me the kind of man Psalm 32 describes in whose spirit there is no guile. That's the kind of spirit I must have. Third, he prays for restoration. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Or literally, cause to return to me the joy of thy salvation. That joy has departed from me. It's gone. Bring it back to me. Send it back to me. I am miserable in my sin. I know the bitterness of my sin. Make me again to rejoice with the glad assurance that I am forgiven, that I am thy child, that I am loved by thee. And fourth, he prays for support. Uphold me, he says, uphold me with thy free spirit. David had been presumptuous. He had said before this, I am a child of God. I am the king. I can freely then neglect the means of grace. I can play with temptation. I can open myself up unto folly, and nothing will happen to me. He learned the hard way that God does not deal with his children that way. God gave him over to his sin. And now he is restored, he is forgiven, he is fearful that he might fall again. And so he asks God to support him, to uphold him. Create in me. Renew within me, and now uphold me. In what way is he to be upheld? Well, the answer is, with thy free spirit. And that word free means willing. Thy willing spirit. But then notice, in the King James Version, certain words are in italics. With thy are in italics, which means they're added by the translators. A more literal translation is this, and uphold me with a willing spirit. 
And that willing spirit is not God's spirit here, but David's spirit. Work in me a willing spirit, and then uphold me. And our Psalter captures the meaning well here. Psalter 141 and 142 say this, steadfast make my willing heart. Steadfast make my willing heart. And then Psalter 143 says, my willing heart uphold. So, uphold me in this way then. Give me a willing spirit which will not depart again from my God. Those are his positive petitions. Create, renew, restore, uphold. And then there are the negative petitions. Do not do these things. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit away from me. He understands his relationship to his God has been severely affected by his sin and asks God then, do not cast me off entirely but restore to me the things which I have lost. Now, throughout this Psalm 51, David's emotions and David's experiences are in a constant state of flux. They're always changing. But one thing remains the same forever, and that is God's mercy. That is what he is seeking in this psalm. That's how the psalm begins. Have mercy upon me, O God. God's mercy is his compassion, his compassion for his child in his misery. David here has fallen deeply into sin. He has become ensnared in that sin. He cannot escape from that sin. But God is merciful to him. In his mercy, he has chastised him, but not destroyed him. Just as a father who is truly angry with his son will spare him, will cause him to know his displeasure, but will not utterly abandon his son, and his son knows that and is confident of that. So God has pitied his child David and worked in his heart so that David has turned from his wicked ways. And the fruit of God's mercy in his life is this prayer. Are these prayers, are these desperate pleas Prayers born of a true faith in God. And he looks then to God's mercy, which is found, of course, in Jesus Christ. He knows Jesus Christ as the seed of the woman who is going to come, as the seed of Abraham who shall come, as the one who shall redeem Israel from all of her iniquities. And this Jesus Christ will do for David 
everything that David asks here because he will die on the cross to purchase for David all of these blessings, to purchase them for him and for us. Jesus died to purchase for us a clean heart. If you have a clean heart, beloved, this evening, it's because Christ purchased that for you on the cross. He died to purchase for us a right spirit and a willing spirit. He died to purchase for us the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. He died to purchase salvation for us and the joy of salvation for us. And thus we look to him for mercy. He purchased it, and by the Spirit, he applies it. There's a way, of course, to be miserable in this life, the way described by the life of David at this time. Walk in sin. Walk in darkness. When you do so as a child of God, God will see to it in his mercy that you are miserable in that way. And then God in his mercy will bring us to repentance, bring us to the conviction that we have sinned and will restore to us what sin took from us, a clean heart a right and willing spirit, the joy of his salvation. And so, beloved, do not despair when you sin, but also do not continue in sin, but come to God, who alone is able to restore you, and you will taste his mercy through faith. In Jesus Christ, amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy mercy. We thank thee also that thou art so merciful that thou dost not permit thy people to walk in the ways of sin, but thou dost mercifully chastise and restore them. Restore us when we walk in ways displeasing to thee. Turn us from those ways. Work in us true repentance and true sorrow and give unto us the assurance and the joy of that salvation. For Christ's sake, amen.